Hi. Do you need a moment to adjust your mic? No, it's fine. Did I hit record too soon? You know what's been pissing me off since last night, Emily? <laughs> since last night? I mean, okay, so there's a lot of things that have been pissing me off since time in memoriam. Yeah. However, the, last night we watched a bad movie. We together, did. We did. Because there was a man in it who was unnaturally beautiful. Yes. <laughs> and it turns out that's kind of the point of him. But um, why did he talk about lampreys for so long when he was not, in fact, a lamprey? Right. Or, that like, was the disappointing thing is he was so enthusiastic about lampreys. He loved them. And how versatile they are and how they can be both saltwater and in freshwater. Right. And, and then he wasn't a lamprey. Right. And we were like, maybe like he didn't drop lamprey. his meat suit and become just a giant ass lamprey. That's exactly what I thought. Because like, okay, look, we've watched movies like that before. That happens. Yeah. It's not that weird. And instead you just see his weird seaweed feet. Yeah. A couple of times. Which makes then, you kind of think he's a merman or he's right. an alien or. And you know, there's something going on with the salinity thing. Cause he talks yeah. a lot about salt water. Well, and then like water. she hits him with salt and he's like, and, gets, yeah, and then he kind of like, bubbles, bubbles like a, like a slug would. Yeah. But like, you never know what the fuck he is. Uh, guys, we're talking about the movie. What lies below? Yeah. Not to be confused with what lies beneath a legitimately very good movie. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, maybe watch that one if you're high Yeah, just sometime. be confused. Yeah. Just be confused also, with us. Before that guy's scary, he is very pretty. <laughs> he is, but he was very creepy from the get-go. Yeah. He had, like, fake hair, fake teeth, fake eyes. I just wanted once to see him without any of that shit. Yeah. It's a bad movie, guys. Go get just, like, super blazed and watch it. It's, <laughs> it was so, entertaining. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so how are you, Emily? This feels like a loaded question. I mean... Yeah, it is. It's as loaded as you want it to be. So this week has been a lot. Sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll we'll get into with that. We certainly will. I'm sure everybody gets the gist of what we might be talking about. It's not just our personal lives. No. <laughs> if only. If only. I love having only personal life problems. Yeah. That's great. And no, like, oh my God, the cops are at it again. Right. So we're going to talk about that today. Yeah. <laughs> like for the most part, that's kind of it. Um, I've, I've been told that yours is sort of a historical look at kind police of. violence, sort of. Yeah. Mine, mine kind of is that as well. So that'll be interesting. I narrowed it down. Mm-hmm. More specific. Yeah. Legit. Because, um, yeah. I mean, it's a pretty broad right. topic. And I was like, if I do this, I'm probably going to die. So. Yeah. No, yeah. That would be like a, a 15 pages of notes kind of day, which is not what anybody needs to be doing. How's that? Oh. I was just going to ask, what are we drinking, Em? Oh. <laughs> and then she drank it. Oh. Oh, God. Are you going to fuck us up so bad? It's okay. So it's tequila. It's mm -hmm. a lot of tequila. Mm-hmm. And then I put lime in there. And then I did um, the Twisted Elixir Bubbler, which is, like, I think, like, raspberry and lime. But which itself has alcohol in it? No. It doesn't? No. Okay. Okay. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I'm going to try it now as well. <laughs> that is just tequila. Yeah. With, with like a nice flavor to it. Right. It's honestly. got a nice finish. Like yeah. after it's, it's nice. It, but at the front end though, that's tequila. It's straight tequila. Yeah, it is. All right. 
Um, Who's first? Uh, you know, that's actually a good question. Our last episode was with Rhett. Is that correct? Mm. I went first. Mm. All right. Just an FYI to everybody, we did we did throw bandy this about that every few episodes because we we've been doing so good on our schedule lately. Yeah, I've had things out at literally midnight, the night that they're supposed to come out, which is really great. Love that. Gets tiring though, and in the interest of us not needing to take longer breaks, we might just take shorter breaks at a regular interval, in which you just wouldn't have an episode for a, a min. And then we'd come back and, and still be on the same Monday. So, yeah, you would be waiting a month. But, like, you know, if Reply All can do it and be run by racists, then we can do it because there's just the two of us trying to not be racist. <laughs> this is where we're at. This is how we're starting. Emily, I'm just going to go ahead and apologize. Oh, shit. For this. Okay. Um, I think this is an important story. I had a hard time with it because it sucks. I'm going to make sure this isn't as disjointed as I can possibly be. Brain not do a good. I already can't feel the tequila, so let's go. Let's do this. All right. So I'm going to start with a quote. This is an homage to Emily. Oh, fuck. What can another human tell me that would make me forget, forgive, or move on with my life when my life has been turned upside down? When I went into prison, everyone in my family was alive. When I got out of prison, everyone in my family was dead. So let's introduce the villain first. His name is John Graham Burge. If it, I'd heard of podcasts about this a little bit, t- tangentially about this. Um, you might recognize his name, you might not, but you will probably recognize this if you know anything about Chicago history. Um, so John Burge was a veteran of four tours in South Korea and Vietnam, so he was probably fine. And (laughs) this this might explain, but not excuse, um, all the shit I'm about to say that he did. When Burge retired from the military, he started a career as a what? A police officer. (laughs) Imagine that. (laughs) Imagine a Vietnam vet becoming a police officer and it going fine. That never happens. Um, So, of course, um, he... He worked for the Chicago Police Department. He was promoted to a detective in 1972. Of course he was. He was assigned to Area 2 robbery. Of course he was. Now, yeah, he was only on the force. He was 22 when he was uh, made a police officer. And then I believe he was 24 when he was promoted to detective, which is pretty intense. Wow. He was in four tours before he was 22. He just went and then went and then went and then went. And that was kind of the time then. But yeah, I'm sure he was fine and definitely wasn't all fucked up. Anyway, between the years of 1972 and 1991, Burge assembled a group of like-minded officers and detectives, Uh-oh. which were called the Midnight Crew. No, no. Yeah. Oh, or, no, no, no. Or sometimes the A-Team. No, you know, yeah. when they give themselves nicknames, uh-huh. I get worried. Uh-huh. So with this team, Burge, quote either directly participated in or implicitly improved the torture of at least 118 people in police custody. The vast majority of victims were black men and women. This is like... Are you... Yep, 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 yep. Keep keep going. Just keep... Just be... Fuck. Jesus Christ. I think I just had a stroke. (laughs) 
really think I just had a stroke. You might have been. It's okay. That's the appropriate Call response. the bondulence. Call the fucking bondulence. <laughs> <sighs> so they use torture to coerce confessions out of victims. Yep. I got this summary from the appeal.org's article in 2019. Um... Burge's officers beat suspects with telephone books, flashlights, batons, and baseball bats. Some victims describe being burned either by their flesh pressed onto hot radiators or having cigarettes put out on their bare skin. Some were nearly suffocated with plastic typewriter covers. Other torture survivors reported having a gun to their head or in their mouth and being struck with cattle prods. And I want to say that 118 people is very conservative. Other places will say over 200. Just saying. Yeah. Um, so we're going to hop to a specific survivor, and then I will have some aftermath storytelling of the greater <sighs> scheme of things. Super sorry about it. Just going to keep, keep drinking. Yeah. So our survivor's name is Daryl Cannon. Hi, Daryl. Hi, Daryl. I'm already so fucking sorry, so Daryl. sorry, Daryl. So this story I got mainly from the Chicago Police Torture Archive, which is literally at... There's an archive! Yeah, there's literally an archive. It's called chicagopolicetorturearchive.org. You should just go look at it. No. Um, yeah, I mean, if you can handle that mentally, um, you, can, you should go... And you want to educate yourself, you should go look at it. Um, it, di it literally went live in February of this year. This Jesus. This website. That's why this is, like, making news again. So I was like, okay, let's talk about it. Um... So it is just, this is just one of several stories outlined there. And Daryl has a video on the website talking about his experience, as do several others. I encourage you to take a look. Now, it's 1983. So it's a year after Burge has made, well, it's not, it's a, a decade and a year, I should have said. It's a decade and a year after Burge has made Detective and started his Midnight Crew. So it's been going on for a bit. We're smack dab in the middle of it. Daryl Cannon had recently gotten out of prison on parole after 12 years. He had been given a life sentence for the murder of another man, Emmanuel Lazar. Um, Daryl was a part of a gang, and that was a that was a gang-related thing. He had done that time. He had served like he was let out on parole after 12 years. Um, the body of a, a rival dealer, Darren Ross. Um, so Daryl and Darren. Don't get them confused. I did for a bit. Um... <laughs> The body of a rival dealer, Darren Ross, was found buried, and an investigation had placed Daryl Cannon at the scene. Evidence suggested that he may have supplied the gun and been the getaway driver for the actual murderer. So it's all alleged at this point, though, right? Because if you well, know, let's I all mean, just <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, let's call it alleged. Yeah, people are innocent until proven guilty, right? Um. Right? That's supposed to be how it works. Uh, um, so, allegedly, that all happened. Um, at 6.30 a.m. on uh, November 2nd, 1983, three cops from Area 2 came to Daryl's door and arrested him. Quote, they had no search warrant to search the apartment, yet they took the apartment. They took Daryl outside in handcuffs. Quote, one of the detectives told me, for N-words like you, we have a scientific way of interrogating you. Oh. Uh, yeah. No. I mean, the horror of And this that. was not in the 1830s. No, no, no. This is... This is... Recent. 1982. Yeah. 1982. 
we're friends with people who are that age. Not even like they're not even our parents. We're just friends with people that are were born in that year. Like so. For uh, they took Daryl then to a remote area on Chicago's south side. Um, usually, I think when you're just trying to arrest a person who you suspect of a crime, you take them to be booked. Um, that is not what happened. They just took him to an area and they proceeded to torture him for eight hours. Jesus. Quote, he kept questioning me while he was holding the gun, the shotgun barrel in my mouth. And one of them said, go ahead and shoot that N word. And he pulled the trigger. That was a mock execution. The gun was not loaded, but the officers would show the shells to Daryl and then turn around and act like they were loading the gun and then turn back around and fire. Like they shoved, they did this three times, let's be clear, and they would shove the the barrel into his mouth so forcefully they chipped his teeth. And they did it over and over. Quote, the third time that they did this, when I heard the trigger being clicked, my mind told me that they blown my brains out of course he hadn't he took the shell out of his pocket and showed it to me and he laughed and this isn't all they did i'm sorry i promise i don't sit on this but like i think it's important to be like this is what happened to him Uh oh. um so this isn't all um another tactic that they typically used was electric shocks with a cattle prod, as I mentioned. Uh-huh. And these were used on Daryl's genitals. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Quote, for me, this was the most sadistic, sadistic act ever performed. The feeling of it is something that is indescribable. I still live with it to this day. Quote, I got to the point where I couldn't take any more electric shocks. And I told them that I would say anything they wanted me to say. Yeah. Which is, of course... What we're going for. And this is why you can't use torture as a reliable form of getting a confession. Right. Because that man was just trying to get the pain to stop. Yep. This is nothing about the truth anymore. No. Like, and this is also why we shouldn't torture P- like POWs and stuff. Because they'll just say whatever. This is not reliable information. Yeah. And then like, you know, don't take Facebook photos with the people that you torture. Anyways. So the officers took Daryl back to Area 2 finally after he agreed to confess and he signed a confession and Daryl maintains to this day, he did not commit this crime. Yeah. Like the main evidence against him was his confession, which was clearly coerced. Like maybe the most clearly anything's ever been coerced. Like what I want to know is, was the prosecutor in on what they were doing to get confessions? Because like the closing rate of their cases would have been insane. Yeah, um, I especially mean, all with signed confessions. Mm-hmm. There were there are many other people on that website, and they only detail like maybe fifteen. But like again, there's hundreds of them, right? And it's just, it's just that one of them who was actually white. He was like the one guy that I saw profiled who was white. Was like they just used me to advance their career. Mm-hmm. The case that I was brought in on had been closed as like an accidental fatality for like four years, and they brought me in anyway. Because they just wanted to close a case on a murderer and look good. So it's very possible that every it's a in, huge inside job. Everybody's in on it. Because it helps everybody to put a murderer away. So Daryl started making complaints about his treatment immediately. Uh, five days after the incident, his wife lodged a formal complaint with the Office of Professional Standards, or OPS. 
But shocker, all of the officers covered for each other. Mm-hmm. And they get to claim that Daryl was lying, and it's three against one, and they're police officers, and he's a criminal. So let's not believe him. If anybody is wondering, like, how this continues for that long, like, it's that. Like, it's just that they cover for each other over and over Thin and over Thin blue again. line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't cross it. Mm-hmm. So Daryl tried to suppress his murder confession to have it not used in court as evidence at his trial, but he was unsuccessful. He was unfortunately sentenced in 1984 to life in prison. This is after a previous life charge, too. Like, he, he was out. Imagine getting life and getting out after 12 years, by the way. That's some good behavior. <laughs> like, yeah. And then, and then just, like, you're out for less than a year. And you're back. For the torture, in 1988, Cannon settled. Daryl, I should say. Cannon's his last name. Settled. Even, like, even as his criminal trial was ongoing, they were like, hey, for the things you're alleging, do you, would you like some money for that so you could shut the fuck up? And he took some. It was about $3,000, but after legal fees, he got $1,247.70, which in today's money is like 2800 So it's not a lot of money, guys. Like, we got that from the government <laughs> for COVID, and this guy's getting that as a settlement to shut up about torture. A torture that put him in prison for life. Not just like being tortured, but a torture that made him confess to a thing he didn't do and then put him away forever. $3,000. How you doing? Just keep going. Uh I'm waiting for the light. I'm waiting for the fucking light. There's some light. I promise there's some light. Doesn't sound like it's going to be a bright light. No, of course not. This is about this topic. The light isn't that bright. So, the torture had been ongoing for about 10, 10 years. This is, yeah, 1982. Um, so right around the time this was happening to Daryl, another thing started happening, which was that people started shooting police officers in Chicago. I wonder why. I wonder why is the thing. Um, yeah, so on February 5th, 1982, three officers were shot, one fatally, then on February 9th, two were shot and killed. And this time, it was in John Burge's jurisdiction. Unfortunate for the person who did this. So, you can imagine that what happened next was a crackdown of epic proportions. Like, martial law, but only on black people. Yep. And, like, kind of all of Chicago. Because you start shooting cops, and all cops are like, oh, fuck you. So... The Afro-American Police League called Burge's response sloppy police work and a matter of racism. That's because they did shit like handcuffing suspects to stationary objects for days at a time. It's just suspects. Shooting suspects' pets and holding guns to the heads of minors. The black community... Hey, yeah. hey fun fact. Yeah. They still do that. Yeah, they still do do that. Um, this one was, I guess, en masse. So... Yeah. It's not that different. It's just that this is like, it was a lot of people and it was anybody they just suspected. They weren't even bringing people in. No. They were just doing this on the street to people. So on February 14th, police arrested Andrew Wilson in connection to the last two officer shootings, the ones that took place in Burge's jurisdiction. Um, He was brought in for interrogation. Mm. 
And by the day's end, he needed to go to Mercy Hospital for treatment due to bruises and lacerations that were definitely 100% inflicted while in police custody. There is nowhere else he would have gotten them. So it would be this case, at least, that finally brought the Midnight Crew into the light so people started hearing about it. Andrew and his brother Jackie Wilson would eventually be convicted of these shootings. Jackie would get a life sentence as an accomplice, and Andrew was given the death penalty. Both of them would appeal these convictions. They claim none of this is true. I cannot speak to that or not. I do not know. Um, Jackie was Jackie's uh, conviction was overturned. They were also tried together. Oh, for different parts of the crime mm. and different charges. Mm. So that they they did end up overturning Jackie's um, conviction in a lower court because his right to remain silent was not properly explained. Miranda writes, bitch. They'll get you. Yep. Andrew's case was sent to the Illinois Supreme Court because that's what happens to death row cases. Yep. They just go straight up. Yep. Um, they ruled that Andrew was had presented cred- credible evidence that his confession had been coerced through torture, and Andrew was given a new trial where he was again convicted without the confession, but given life in prison instead. So it is possible that he did do that crime, yeah. but he still, like, he needed to be convicted on evidence that did not include his confession. Yeah. Um, so from prison, Andrew Wilson continued to gather and present evidence against Burge and the other officers who tortured him, including a civil case, he brought against four Chicago police officers in 1989. And in the suit, so this is seven years after he's put away. In the suit, he alleged uh, he had been beaten, suffocated with a plastic bag, burned with cigarette and radiator, and treated with electric shock by police officers when interrogated. Similar story to Darren and a lot of other people. Sadly, this civil case acquitted all four members, all of them, eventually. Gross. Yeah. Um... There was not enough physical evidence tying them to this. There just wasn't. There was there was Andrew's word. Uh, Burge himself had to be sent to his second trial because of a hung jury. Like, they couldn't decide on him. Um, but then he was eventually acquitted. The verdict, this is, this is like the two points that the verdict in this civil case had. One was that jurors did find that the city of Chicago employed a policy of using excessive force on suspected killers of police officers. But... Two, Wilson specifically had not been tortured. That's That was their findings. Wilson specifically, they could not prove he had been tortured, but they believed that torture was happening. Great. Good enough. <laughs> so still, this knowledge resonated throughout the court system and all of Chicago. Like, now it's kind of out there that, like, oh, these people have been torturing black people. Huh. Weird. We've all heard about it now. Um, so this, in 1991, Burge was suspended from the Chicago Police Department, and he was supposed to be suspended without pay for 30 days, (laughs) um, pending investigation. (laughs) Um, yeah. Instead, they just left him there in, like, a purgatory for, like, almost a year. Um, actually, no, over a year. And he was like, I want to be reinstated. And they were like, no. And everyone else was like, can you fire him, please? And they were also like, no. <laughs> like They just left him and three other officers just in this weird suspended without pay until 1993 when they were officially fired. So we're going to hop. We're going to we're going to hop away from him. We're going to go and talk about 
the people's law office and a bunch of the people they represented. I'm not naming names because it's too many names already. And I'm not here to confuse you. So through the 90s, the whole decade, the People's Law Office, which seems like a rad organization, um, worked with several torture victims, including the Death Row 10, which is these were men who were tortured and are on death row because of it, of what their confessions said. And they were all advocating for each other, which is cool. Um, they, this, them and the People's Law Office argued for exonerations and reparations for all victims. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, here's the thing, and I think this is something that people get hung up on, is it doesn't matter whether or not these people committed the crime that they were forced to confess to. Right. It doesn't matter. Right. The, the system that we are supposed to abide by was circumvented, therefore nullifying their charges right. and their convictions. Like, it, right. it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. The same system that is acquitting torturers based on because there's like shadow of a doubt right evidence that like there's not enough evidence saying that they did this so they don't have to go to prison and that is how it works that should be how it works for these people too but it doesn't because they're people of color and the system has never stood for us right like it should be very hard to convict someone and put someone on death row absolutely very 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 hard it's meant to be yes but these guys are getting put there on their confessions alone and their confessions are being obtained highly illegally yeah there is a reason like in the chauvin trial and in a bunch of other shit that you don't see them pursuing a murder one charge so it's really hard to because get. it's really fucking hard to prove that mm-hmm. and it should be yeah it should be very it difficult. absolutely should be yeah so daryl our original survivor um daryl spent decades appealing he was trying to get a new trial that you know, in which his confession would not be admissible, clearly. Um, in 1994, he did get a trial, a new one, but this time it was based on the lack of black people on his jury. They were able to, to prove that the prosecution was trying to stop black fe- people from being on the jury for his original <laughs> trial. So they gave him a new one on those grounds. Hey, you find, you find the loopholes you can. Right? Except that the thing is they didn't throw out the confession because that's not why. That wasn't the problem. So he was convicted again. Yeah. So at the same time, he's working with the People's Law Office to get a settlement. And he was argued down again and again on the grounds that he had already accepted a settlement. If you recall, in 1988, he accepted the equivalent of $2,800. Fuck him, I guess. Like, okay. So yeah, he's not getting money there. And he's fighting and he's fighting. It's many years. In 1997, Daryl was granted a new criminal trial again, this time based on the fact that they coerced his confession. There we go. this time, it's not allowed. However, instead of going through the process again, Daryl and his lawyers decided, we are going to take a plea deal because you might get convicted again. Like, this is not in your favor. So, 40 years total... I'm not actually sure how the math works out on that. I'm going to be very real. But this is what the article said. 40 years total, including time already served. Mm -hmm. He would plead guilty to, like, lesser charges. Yeah. So not the murder, but, you know, having a weapon and and other things like that. Um, Conspiracy to commit murder. He He would plead for those things. That would have gotten him, according to the article, out in 2003, including all the time served. And I actually think, like... I don't know. It, it seems off to me, but I'm not here to 
uh, talk about it. I'm not here to do math. So <laughs> the parole board <laughs> then tried anyway to fuck with him again. Sure. Because why yeah. not? They have nothing better to do. Um, stating that he was out on parole for the first murder when he committed the second. So he's on, like, probation. So if you break probation by committing a murder, you're not eligible for that shit. Fuck you. You get out in 2064. Yeah. Like, yeah. So that's fun. Let's hop over for a second. We'll leave Daryl right there. We'll hit pause on Daryl. And we'll go to the governor. Oh, no. Of Illinois. Oh, Um, no. In 2003, Governor George Ryan... Well, this is good. He commuted the sentence of every Burge torture victim facing execution. So the ones good, yeah. So the ones on death row, he took them off of death row. (laughs) He doesn't take them out of prison, though. No, um, but he does. Yeah, I mean, I think the idea being that like you are no longer facing execution, you can appeal this as you need to. But like, yeah, he's not letting you out. He did, however, pardon four torture survivors. Four different people were just. They were completely pardoned because there was no other evidence than their own confessions. So he did do that in 2003. At the same time, in 2003, hopping back to Daryl, our survivor, Daryl, his attorneys won a case against the parole board, finally. And he was released from prison in 2004. So he was released. He wasn't stuck there until 2064. He gets to go out. So he did... serve total 24 years in prison okay i'm just gonna keep petting the cat about it yep he served 24 years in prison nine of which had been in solitary confinement oh super max prison called tams which is infamous apparently for how awful it is but he was out he was out in 2003 our survivor Daryl and many other torture survivors have continued to speak out about their experiences and remain activists in their community. They gave testimony for the Chicago police torture archive uh, that I talked about, and they continue to work with the people's law office to uh, advocate for survivors who are still fighting their sentences. Obviously some of them are still in prison. And finally, mostly like this is the light right here. This part in 2010, so 11 years ago. Jesus. They opened a new criminal case against John Burge. Good. And this time he was convicted in federal court for obstructing justice and perjury oh. during the initial investigation. <laughs> that was all they could get him on. They tried getting him again after he was acquitted in the early 90s, but um, statute of limitations had passed. On torture. On torture. How? I don't know. What's the fucking statute on torture? Is it 10 years? Because a lot of those were committed in the 70s. But still, like, my God, dude. Andrew, whatever, Andrew, who got, um, like, this, everything that Burge did put out in the light, that was, like, 1983. It must be, like, 10 years, 15, maybe. 10 years. 10 fucking years for Filing torture. of claims. This act applies to claims of torture filed no later than 10 years after the effective date. Weird. But apparently they were able to get him on fucking obstruction of justice because maybe that doesn't have a statute no. of limitations. No. <laughs> Makes sense. Either way, they were like, yeah, you perjured yourself. You obstructed our investigation. Your detectives destroyed evidence. Fuck you. You're going to jail. This act came out... 
The Illinois Torture Inquiry and Relief Commission Act came out in 2009. So anything before 1999 was out the window. Wow. Yep. That would be it. And then, I mean, it's good that they got him on something. Not enough. Right, exactly. Like, and his sentence is not enough because that's what they were able to get him. So he got almost five years. Not quite five years, but almost. And that meant that in October of 2014, Burge was released on house arrest. In 2015, a sweeping ordinance was enacted that gave Chicago the distinction of being the first municipality in the, in the nation to provide reparations for racially motivated police violence. The ordinance won some financial compensation for Burge's victims, as well as free tuition for survivors and their families at Chicago City Colleges. Uh, Daryl, our survivor, got a portion of those reparations. As he fucking should. Absolutely. And in 2018, John Burge died, because at least time never stops moving inexorably forward. I'm sad he's dead. So you can't kill him? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> It's okay. Uh, the Reaper done came for him. And I he's hope it gone was painful. from this world. I do too. I hope he suffered. Yeah, a real fucker destroyed a lot of people's lives. I'm shocked. Yeah. Um, somebody who is probably really racist to begin with and really fucked up by and war. Probably a psychopath. Mm -hmm. And definitely then, not tested for that before he was allowed to be um, a protect and serve guy. That makes me wonder what he was doing in Vietnam. Uh, if you had said John Burge led the Milai massacre, I'd be like, yeah, dude. <laughs> like, of course he did. Yeah. He's a fucking psycho. Like, clearly, he either tortured all of these people or he stood by and literally watched. Like, beyond that, I, I'm guessing he's a sadist. Oh, yeah. You gotta like it. Yeah. It, at the very, yeah. You gotta feel justified. Maybe you start to like it eventually. But, like, at the very least, you gotta think, I am absolutely justified in these actions. Every time you go to do it, which is all the time. It's, it seems like it's the only way they ever convicted anybody. Yeah. It's just to bring him it in. It was effective. Him. Yep. Certainly. Only takes about eight hours. Yeah. To break a man instead of finding evidence and, I don't know, doing detective work. Well, and, you know, they learned it was okay because then the prosecution office wasn't questioning anything. Mm-hmm. And I want to know who the DA was. Right. It, yeah, you got to start to wonder, like, were they in on it, like you said? Yeah. Or did they, were they just mortified that this would make them look absolutely terrible? And so they would rather deny that it ever happened than admit that they let it happen. <sighs> so the justice system is broken. <laughs> uh, so um, This is when... It's it's moments like these that I wish Malcolm X hadn't been executed. Do you think he'd still be alive? I don't know how old he was. Yeah, I feel like he would. Older guy, but... Like, I feel like he was in his 40s when he died. Mm. So he'd be, like, older. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine getting an op-ed from Malcolm X? <laughs> like, about what's happening now? Huh, it would be scathing. <laughs> I am just glad John Lewis didn't have to be alive to see this. Because, <laughs> uh, so, like, holy fucking shit, yeah. America. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, like, much like the move bombings, it's like, let's not forget about this. This was not yeah. that long ago. This was super not that long ago. And it's not that far from where we live. No. And 
some really, really fucked up things are still happening. Yeah. And did happen very recently. Very fucking recently. Yeah. This, like you said, this isn't 1830. Um, so yeah, I've had not enough tequila. Feels like too much and also not enough. Thanks, Em. Yeah. That's what I'm here for. No, no. Just keep going. Is this going to get worse now? Yeah. Do you want a harpist noise? Um, yeah. Let's, yeah. That'll be, that'll yeah. That'll be better. Rather than me trying to maneuver things. Yeah. Let's bring us, bring us on into that one, babe. I have to find the right noise. Thank you. Fuck you! <laughs> okay. We're back. We've, um... Ugh. I wouldn't say we've lightened the mood no. in the room right now. There no! There is no doing that. Um, but we did sing a little bit of a song, and now we're drinking more tequila, which is probably not something we More to... tequila! So, before we get into this, a yeah. little levity. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a thing for work. Oh, yeah. And it was a survival thing. You get a list of items that you find. How did I forget about this? I don't know, because we got angry really fast. We did. So you're in a plane and it crashes. Uh-huh. And you're in business attire. It's wintertime. The nearest town is 20 miles away. Mm-hmm. You're able to find these 12 items and you need to rank them in order of importance. Right. Okay. So, do you still have the list? Yeah, because I'm going to need to look at it. So, I'm going to read it to everybody else. Yes. So, you get a small axe, a loaded 45 caliber pistol, a can of Crisco shortening, newspapers, lighter with no fluid, an extra change of clothes, a 20 by 20 heavy-duty canvas, a plastic air map thing that I still don't really understand, a bottle of 100-proof whiskey, a compass, chocolate bar, and steel wool. In the interest of keeping this uh, interesting for people, I have my own now. Like, here's the items, and then my rank. And then I did first, like, I did see that Emily has her own rank yep. that we'll compare by. Are you going to take notes on what yeah, I Yeah, I got you. Awesome. I love this. I have a spreadsheet. So, right off the bat, 45 caliber pistol is not as important as people might think it is. Like, how many bullets are there? For one thing, it's loaded, but, like, it's a pistol, so... It's got what? Six? Eight? Depends, right? Yeah. Um, so, great. What are you going to do with that? <laughs> you need warmth? Like, Okay, you said it was 20 miles away. Yep. Nearest You're, town is 20 miles away. You are in work It attire. gets down to like negative 25 Fahrenheit at night. That is very... Like negative 25 to negative 40. That is so cold. Yes. Um, That's really fucking cold. It's really cold. And you're, again, you're in work attire, which to me, I'm instantly thinking about wet cold feet because i'm in high heels yep or like flats or some shit yep um not walking we're not walking that's stupid we're not going to town guys (laughs) we live here now yeah (laughs) this is where we live until someone finds us which is best anyway because you're not supposed to get up and move right wait for rescue Mm -hmm. but remain you know okay while you do that seems like we've got some things we could start a fire with i'm almost positive that shortening is something that's helpful to be honest i'm not 100 percent sure on that but What's your number one? That's actually tough because I'm I'm torn between steel wool. Compass is not going to help you. We're not moving. Uh, steel wool and like the the heavy duty canvas. Like you need a shelter. Mm-hmm. You need to stay dry. So which one would you flag as your number one? And then I'll make the other one your number two. 
probably the canvas. Is number one? Yeah. You yeah. just, like, you also need to use that in order to stay out of the wind to yeah. make a fire. Okay. What's number um, three? So you've got the canvas, you've got the wool. Man, extra change of clothes to me is up there. Okay. A lot of these things make a, fi- a fire, though. So I, maybe all of those are kind of in my wheelhouse of, like, the newspaper, the lighter with no fluid. If I mean, I don't – I, I feel like the mechanism could be useful to you. Even if there's no fluid, you do have 100-proof whiskey, which, again, if you can get something started, might – like, that's a very high-proof whiskey. It is. And that it was is, specifically 100-proof, yeah. which is when I was like – Huh. That's yes. I think the fact that they mention that it's like that is a fire starter. So as well. would you flag extra change of clothes as your number three? Staying dry is also and warm is so important. Yes, I will okay. say that's number three. But then like, and then maybe the whiskey is four, four or okay. Newspapers five. Okay. The small axe has to be up there too. Six. Okay. Just because again, like these are all things you can collect wood with. That that's also a nice weapon should something happen. Uh. Um, um, so you still have the pistol, the shortening, the lighter with no fluid, the air map, the compass and the chocolate bar. Um, I'll say right now. Okay. So I, the shortening is bothering me because I feel like I should know something that that's useful for, but I don't have like a real clear idea of what it would be. I just know I would be like, we need this. I'm not sure why yet. We'll figure it out. Is it flammable? Maybe. (laughs) Is it like... I feel like it is. Okay. Do so, you want that a seven? Sure. Okay. Fuck it. Um, <laughs> this is hard. Yeah. Um, chocolate bars down low for me. I know that it's calories, which will eventually be helpful, but you need to not be shivering your ass off first. Um, so what's lighter? your number eight? Okay. Lighter eight. Air map. I don't know. I guess that could be useful. It's plastic. So okay. the compass and then... The pistol and the chocolate bar. Okay. <laughs> that was hard. It really, like, it's hard to rank things. You can see which things are and are not useful, but, like, to rank them is tough. I have to maths. Oh, she's doing maths. Oh, are we? I'm actually being graded right now. Yeah. I'm, I am so anxious. I did time. a little better than you. Okay. So your total score mm-hmm. compared to the like the survival expert was sure. 28 out of 75. Oh, okay. Mine was 22. Mm. You hit some things like on the head though. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So uh, survivalist's first thing was a lighter with no fluid because it can still make a spark. Yeah. And then his number two, which was also your number two, was the steel wool. Aha. Because it's very flammable and it can catch that spark. Yes. And it's great for starting a fire. Okay, legit. His number three was the extra change of clothes, which was also your number three. Which was my number seven because I was more worried about shelter and fire. Yeah. Um, But can also be used for bandages or kindling if needed. Can also be used to signal an air over air, whatever. Sure. Um, his number four was the can of Crisco, uh-huh. which was also my number four because it can be used as an insulator. Uh-huh. You can spread it on your skin to help insulate. You can also melt it down for candles. Jeez. And then you can also use the lid of the can of Crisco to signal because it's going to be like five times more powerful than like a fire. 
Oh, like um, so, like, like you rub reflect- a little like Crisco oh. on the lid, and then you catch the light, right? And you can reflect it back, and it makes a fucking hella bam badass beam. Oh, cool. Okay. And then also, you can use the can once you've emptied it for water. Sure, that's fair. And then you have a literal can of water. <laughs> yeah, his, I'd be like trying to achieve can of yeah. water status the whole time. His number five, which was both of our number ones, which I thought was really interesting, yeah, was the twenty by twenty heavy duty canvas, yeah, to make a shelter. Shelter, yes, interesting. His number six, my number six, and your number six. <laughs> what? was the small axe oh shit that's why i was so excited when you said it was six i'm like holy shit holy shit holy shit that's so, amazing can be used for chopping wood also can be used as a weapon but like mainly it's great for wood right um his number seven was the chocolate bar okay that was your 12 and my nine okay um great for carbs to have some nourishment yes can be you know spread out over like Right. A little bit. It's yeah. At least it's segmentable in a way. Right. Is that too? That's nice. Yeah. Um, his number eight, which was your number five, and was my number eight, was newspapers. Okay. Because not only can it be used for kindling, but it can also be used for layering inside your clothing. Ah, yeah. To insulate. Good call. His number nine was the forty-five caliber pistol. I ranked that as number 10. You had that as 11. So yeah. we both had that really far down on the list. Yeah, we did. <laughs> and something that was interesting when I did this at work is like people were putting that as number two. And I'm like, why? Yeah, what are you going to do What with are you it? going to do with what it? What are you? Well, to defend ourselves from what? From, yeah, what do you think? You can't happening? shoot the cold. Right. And also, it, oh, a bear comes in. Do you think that your 45 caliber pistol no! is going to kill that bear? Fuck it's no. not. So um, he said... Three shots, three quick shots are a universal signal of distress. So that's good to remember. Uh-huh. Um, bullets yeah. can also be broken down for fire starting if you like to live dangerously with gunpowder. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, like, it's also dangerous because it is a weapon and we have seen what happens to people stranded when their minds go, especially, I guess, in the desert. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean... When they kill their friend. Yeah, like, maybe just keep that with one... With their whole with, ass can of beans. With, with whoever seems the most level-headed mm-hmm. at the time. <laughs> um, number 10 was the bottle of whiskey. Ah, okay. And it was funny, because we both had that ranked pretty high. Yeah. I mean, we have a, a problem, but yeah. also... I had that as number three. You had that as number four. It's helpful for starting a fire, can sanitize injuries in a pinch. Ah, yes. Shouldn't be for drinking. Yeah, if you drink, that's really bad for you. Yeah, especially when it's cold. It constricts your blood vessels. Um, But, you know, if you finish that off, the bottle can be repurposed for water. Right. (laughs) Please don't finish it off. You'll die. Number 11, (laughs) um, which we also rank this really low because we're not dumb. Uh Uh-huh. And we know we're not going anywhere. Uh Uh-huh. So number 11 was the compass. Yeah. Because you don't... That's fair. You can use it to reflect light into the sky, but, like, you're not going into town. Yeah. We're not using that to navigate. No. You're not navigating. No. <laughs> and that was something else that came up. It's like, well, we need that compass to go into town. It should be our number one. It's like, where the fuck do you think you're going to make it in 20 miles after a plane crash? You're probably injured. Yeah. You are in shock. Oh, yeah. You need to hunker the fuck down. Even in perfect health, in like awful shoes and attire, no real, nothing like to help you get through what is a very harsh trek. Yeah. If it's that cold, it's probably snowy as balls. Like you don't yeah. want that. 
And then the last thing he listed was the plastic air map thing. Sure. Map of land air could be used to get into town, but it's better as like a protection from the ground. Yes. If you're trying to like cover something I'm or trying to be like, how big are they? Lay it can... over someone. Yeah. Good call. Like I think they're a decent size. Right. I kind of was thinking like, here's how I do my shelter. Like yeah. that would be the floor of the shelter. Yeah. And then the tarp is up in like lean to form. Yeah. Over yeah. the top. Yeah. The way they do in Survivor. So we would be okay. Hell yeah. We'd be at least okay. Is yeah. this like so is this like highest points or lowest points? Like ranking wise. Um, so this is lowest points. That's what I thought. Cause like we're So, so the we're lower the... you go, the better it is. Mm. So we're close to twenty you're within twenty fifth percentile. Yeah. I can't believe we had such similarities in some of those though. Yeah. That's really funny. I mean, I can believe that, actually. We have all the same uh, knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> we know what's up. The knowledge that we have gained for this podcast has been imparted only to each other and a small group of people who listen religiously to this. <laughs> so congratulations. You would all probably survive a plane crash. Yay. Yeah. Provided I didn't smash my head unluckily on something during yeah. the actual crash. Maybe I'd make so, it. So... Um, yeah, that was interesting, and that was, like, a little, like, light thing to do. I'm into it. Uh, we did well. Proud of us right now. Um, and now I'm going to get sad. Okay. So, I was going to cover a specific topic because of Georgia's new voting laws that they were putting out. Right. And the comparisons that it was drawing to Jim Crow era laws and how upset people were because of it. And I was like, well, we should probably talk about this. Do right. some education, tell some stories from the Jim Crow era of surviving that shit. Yeah. And why this is not okay. Mm-hmm. But then um, a woman locally was harassed off of basically a police oversight council by the police union who doxed her. And people don't understand why that was wrong of a police union, a public organization taking photos from her private Facebook Posting them out of context and then calling attention to her and calling to action. Right. Basically to harass her. All because she said a cab, but she did like all cops are born of an oppressive or like violent system. Which, oh, sure. She was literally taking a cab yes. and making it a different yeah. thing. Rather than like all cops are bastards, like what she said was true. Right. So I was like, I want to talk about that and I want to talk about the origins of policing and I want to talk about slave patrols and tell some stories from that. But then, <laughs> you know, a bunch of shit was coming out during the Derek Chauvin murder mm. trial. And I was like, oh, man. All right. Maybe I can do something related to that. But then <laughs> the world said a big fuck you to black people this week because I guess Oops, I meant to reach for my taser, but I pulled my gun is an okay justification for homicide or, you know, telling them to drop their weapon and put their hands up and then they comply and then you shoot them and they're 13 years old, Chicago. Yeah, not a good one for Chicago, huh? No. And that's why I thought it was really interesting that you talked about Chicago because it's like, they so are issues. still not okay. No. Lots of issues there. Lots of issues. So I still want to talk a little bit about the origins of modern policing, but I'm also going to focus on a specific person who stood up to fight against lynch mobs and white supremacists and the backlash that she faced 
and why it's so important to support your local activists right now. Mm -hmm. Because, like, the danger is real. The people are still out there. Like, the generational gap isn't wide enough from the people who were actively doing lynchings to who's walking the street now. Right. And I feel like that's something that people forget. And that the act of trying to oppress and silence people of color is still very, very loud and it's very vocal and it's very violent. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't watched any of the protests happening in Minnesota and the shit that they're pulling and the National Guard being there and them targeting media officials already Mm -hmm. and going after media, macing them, and also redirecting them to locations out of sight of what they're planning to do. Insane. Absolutely it's, insane. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's start a little bit with slave patrols. And I wanted to read the, uh, the oath that slave patrollers take. Slave patrollers? Okay. Yes. Mm. Also, in case you haven't seen it. The Slave Patrol badge is the same shape as the Sheriff's badge of the Six Point Star. Oh. So they should really change that. It's been called to be changed for years, and it hasn't. Okay, yeah, you need to um, go back for some of us dumbs and explain the Slave Patrols. Yeah, I will. I'm excited. I know I'm not, but I mean, I'm I'm excited to learn. So, (laughs) Slave Patrols, quote, for the oath, I... Patroller's name. Do swear that I will, as searcher for guns, swords, and other weapons among the slaves in my district, faithfully and as privately as I can, discharge the trust reposed in me as the law directs to the best of my power. So help me God. So they take an oath to be constantly going through slaves' things for weapons. Yep. To prevent uprisings. But, like, the crazy thing is that they don't. They don't mention it in the oath. Is the other thing they did is they went after runaway slaves. See, that's what. And I was they went after the people holding and hiding the runaway slaves. Mm-hmm. And they were not nice about it. Right. And they were violent and they were deadly. So when you when you see movies or or hear stories about like the Underground Railroad, yeah, and you think about the real danger involved in in harboring slaves, it as was you help them, very fucking real. It's because of these people. Yeah. Okay. So the first slave patrols were founded in the Carolina colonies in the early 1700s. The Carolinas. The Carolinas. (laughs) And by the end of the century, every state that had slaves had slave patrols. Um, Slave patrols were meant to accomplish several goals, including apprehending escaped slaves, returning them to their owners, and then also being absolutely horrific to deter potential slave revolts and disciplining slaves outside of the law for breaking plantation rules. Yeah. So beating, <laughs> torturing, raping, mm-hmm. pillaging, everything in between was okay within the eyes of the slave patrol if it meant keeping the slaves in line. Right. Scared them I'm enough. sure they were also responsible for helping to deter slaves from learning to read and practicing religion because that was also a huge thing that was not allowed. Mm -hmm. Slaves were not allowed to educate themselves unless it was okay by their master because they were going to be a house slave. Right. 
and needed to learn to speak properly. And it, it's all in the idea of like, one, religion is like a community thing. So you yeah. can draw people together with that and yeah. no, they don't want that. No, also, no communities. fun fact, slave patrols were a government-sponsored force. So it was okay with the government because, again, slaves weren't people. They were property. It's fine. It's fine. It's not fine. They didn't need a warrant. They didn't need permission. They could enter the home of anyone, black or white, who was suspected of sheltering slaves. Wow. Yep. Which we know is a violation of the Fourth Amendment now. That's that's also, yeah. But also slaves weren't people and they weren't covered by the Constitution. Right. So loophole. That is the biggest loophole. Because, okay, even if you think of them as property and you're harboring them, it's sort of like theft. Yeah. Like you've stolen the property of another person. But it's still an illegal search. Right. You still shouldn't be able to enter It's an illegal search and seizure. (laughs) That's crazy. Um, Which police still do. I mean, fair. That's fair. So after the Civil War ended, they had to get rid of slave patrols because slaves weren't technically a thing anymore. So they just turned slave patrols into southern police departments. No, thank you, actually, Emily. No. And part of the early poli- uh, part of the early police's jobs after the Civil War was to monitor the behavior of newly freed slaves. What? Many of whom, like, if they weren't given their own land, they just kept working on plantations because that's all they knew. Sure. And then also the cops enforced segregation policies as per the black codes and the Jim Crow laws. It's almost like we did Jim Crow to give these people something to do. Absolutely. It's literally like the way I look at Jim Crow and like the black codes is that it gave justification for the police to continue treating black people as lesser than and to continue enacting slave restrictions and to keep them oppressed Because it's been proven time and time again through, like, multiple revolts and uprisings. And once, like, you gave black people the chance to educate themselves and find their footing, like, the fact that they could make an impact and say some pretty awful things Mm -hmm. about their experiences, Mm -hmm. and that couldn't happen. Right. Keep, Keep oppressing in whatever way you are allowed to. So the first black codes were passed in 1865 after the ratification of the 13th Amendment. Mm-hmm. Um, so these were codes specifically outlining how, when, and where freed slaves could work and how much they could be paid. So it maintained slavery without calling it slavery. Yeah. How much they could be paid? That's like your maximum wage right. is insane. Right. And then also other black codes restricted the right to vote dictated how and where they could travel and then where they could live. And to make it worse for black people, after the Civil War, a lot of Confederate soldiers, as we still see today, once you leave the war, you go into policing. Yeah, weird. So a lot of ex-Confederate soldiers became police officers or judges, or somewhere else in that judicial system, and just kept perpetuating oppression for people of color. Why not? So in the 1880s, then, black codes turned into Jim Crow laws, 
which were in effect until 1965, guys. Just a slick reminder of how fucking not long ago that was. Which, as we know, was the segregation laws that told black people where and when they could poop. You're right. Um, water, go to school, poop. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, like, that's a whole ass thing. But it also allowed people of color who broke that law to basically be beaten by the cops. It was ugly. Yeah. And that's a theme that we see carried out from the slave patrols of that violent reaction to a person of color not following their orders. Beat them into submission. Exactly. Because you're allowed and because it angers you so much to see somebody not listening to you. So... That's where that started, and I don't think I need to continue through the decades here to show we know what happened with George Floyd. We know what happened in 2015 in Baltimore with Freddie Gray, and then in Ferguson in 2014 with Michael Brown, who absolutely did not get indicted, (laughs) the officer who shot him, Mm -hmm. and then the Los Angeles riots of 1992. Mm Mm-hmm. After the acquittal for the beating of Rodney King. Mm-hmm. And then the 1965 Watts riots, also in L.A., when an African-American driver and a stepbrother were pulled over by the police. If you were not familiar with the Watts riots, please go look them up. Yeah, I feel like people people remember the Rodney King ones. Yeah, it Those was more recent. Super more recent, but, like, the Watts ones are important, too. That's, yeah. Oh, Jesus. Um, Civil Rights Act of 1964, which saw literally so much violence and again it's just that that re-emphasis of there is no such thing as an allowable peaceful protest by people of color and you'll see that in minneapolis as well because Mm -hmm. the aggravators and the escalators are the cops always always yeah um one of our our mutual Facebook friends videos of um, them letting off tear gas during a moment of silence. Yeah. When people were kneeling, that's all they were doing. They're the just kneeling. second night I was watching the live stream and there was a man kneeling in front of the police station in Brooklyn center, just kneeling arms up and they were firing tear gas at him. And then they were also firing tear gas into the crowd, like, over his head. Mm -hmm. And it was, like, going over apartment buildings. Oh, God. Which means it could land on somebody's balcony or go through somebody's window. People who are not a part of this. People who are not a part of this. You could have elderly in there. You could have children in there. People who could die of an asthma attack. People absolutely could die. Yeah. Especially when they aren't prepared for it. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Terrifying. Or if they aren't mobile and aren't able to get out. Mm Mm-hmm. So in terms of, like, watching escalations, like, that was disgusting. Mm -hmm. So instead, I'm going to talk about Ida B. Wells. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hi, Ida. Yeah. So she was a lot of things. Journalist, activist, very loud proclaimer Mm -hmm. for equal rights. Hell yeah. And I just, like, it's, yeah. So... She had a newspaper. She was a co-owner and editor of a newspaper. And at one point, 
she wrote an article, an editorial that caused a riot. She had left town in 1892 to attend a conference in Philadelphia and the office of the newspaper she co-owned was destroyed and her co-editor was run out of town. But here's the thing that she wrote about. The editorial was on lynching, which, as we know, is a form of terrorism, Mm -hmm. whether or not people want to accept that. Um, So on March 9th, of 1892 i believe a white mob had murdered her friend and two other people um so they'd murdered thomas moss will stewart and calvin mcdowell Mm -hmm. because of their people's grocery store and they were all black men because they were apparently taking business away from a white man's grocery store so they were lynched yeah so definitely deserved to be murdered for that great so Ida was writing under the name of Iola and had already done a lot of articles calling attention to lynching and really like digging into it and proving, hey, this is not the way it's supposed to be done. There's no trial. There's nothing. These people are making these decisions and committing murder and there's no consequences for this. Crazy. She had to point that one out. I know. Right. Um, She also very much refused to follow the rules of segregation multiple times. She is a black woman journalist in the late 1800s. Yes. Fucking nuts. Um, She's got balls. I love her. She had several years before a train conductor had kicked her out of the first class ladies car Mm -hmm. after she'd refused to move to a segregated carriage. (laughs) Fuck you, bitch. And she'd paid for the first class ticket. So she sued the railroad <laughs> for segregating its cars and won $500 in a local court. Nice. The Supreme Court overruled it and, like, gave it, them back their money. But, it like... went all the way to the Supreme Court. Though. It went all the way to the Supreme Court. I gotta say, pretty good. She paid for the ticket. Yeah. <laughs> so she was writing about, like, that kind of thing in her columns. Mm-hmm. And she was calling a lot of attention to herself. And she had to face a lot of death threats. I can only imagine. Yeah. So after the lynchings, she really started to focus in on becoming an investigative journalist and was pretty much like the first woman of color to be an investigative journalist. So fucking cool. And helped pioneer that industry. Yeah. Not that she gets the recognition that she should. No, of course not. Why would she? Right. So she was calling attention to the stereotypes about black men raping white women which is something that lynch mobs really liked to use. Oh, we love that justification, don't she we? She would then start the investigations of these accusations, go out to the scenes of the lynchings, interview witnesses, and, like, gather all of that information up, which was also really fucking dangerous. That's so dangerous to be there at the site of that with everybody's fucking, like, horrible murder fervor going yeah. on. yeah. And then she took that information and used statistics and made drawings through quantitative data. And she didn't need all of that, but (laughs) she she drew the conclusion that the idea of rape and even criminal behavior is not so much connected to lynching, but that lynching was a means to keep blacks who are very economically competitive at this point, as we've seen with the Tulsa race Mm -hmm. massacre, as they're calling it now, as they should, um, (laughs) to keep blacks down. Wow. 
and that in some in most cases the rape that black men were accused of was actually consensual sex and then as we've seen white men panicked yep and said it was rape Uh uh-huh cowards yeah (sighs) so her conclusions of that and then the coverage of the murder of her friends incited a riot so her printing press was burned down her co-editor was run out of town she was told if she came back she would be killed i just like the amount of danger she was constantly in is nuts you can't and she was own... operating out of memphis i mean my god she was in the south like she, you can't even own a grocery store next to another grocery store without right. possibly getting murdered how because... is she reporting on this yeah like insane yeah so over the next several years she just focused on traveling and staying in the north and then going to europe as well to talk about lynchings and then she eventually settled in chicago interesting choice ida ida <laughs> ida hon i mean look yeah. nowhere's good nowhere's good at that nowhere's point. good but she saw that chicago was a potential for quote a real political vanguard mm. and that there were many black political organizations and newspapers and interracial activism, especially out of Chicago. Um, it's where she met her husband, who was a widowed lawyer and journalist who was supporting women's suffrage. Oh, cool. Because that was also happening. Yeah. That's actually how I've heard about Ida B. Wells yeah. the most, is yeah. always through the feminist aspect yeah. of things. Yeah. So she hyphenated her last name to Wells Barnett, um, which was pretty unique in that time because most women just took their husband's right. last name and that was that it's like fuck you my name stays yeah <laughs> um so she founded the first city's um black women's club the first black kindergarten and the first black suffrage organization so after women in illinois started um won the state voting rights in 1913 her organization helped elect oscar de Priest as the first black alderman on the city of chicago's council nice she also uh, is my favorite because, like, when you hear about her in the suffrage, she refused to march in the back where the white women wanted the black women to go as, a like, an apology to the South to not make waves. Mm-hmm. So the right. white women were like, you can march with us, but you need to be in the back. Because it's like, we're trying to do suffrage right now, and yeah. we can't add racism onto that right. because we need to get this done. Yes. Which, like, you, uh, that argument still happens all the time. Now. Absolutely. It's like, we have to focus on this one thing, or we'll never get anything done. And it sounds, like, logical at times, but yeah. it's also like, you, you're keeping the people who, they're fighting with you, and you're right. not letting them. Right. Because... You're afraid of other people's racism. Right. And you might also be racist yourself. And history will remember you as such. So she, decades later, like they actually recognized her. Mm. In July of 2018, Chicago named a street after her. And then in that same month, activists raised $300,000 to erect a monument to her. Yes. Um, She passed away in 1931. Um, A quote is, at the very end, a year before her death... She ran for an Illinois state Senate seat as an independent. She didn't win, but like she was creating paths not only for blacks, but for black women particularly and for women in general. Wow. A year before her death, she was running. Yeah. She was like, fuck it. Let's go. Wow. So she never stopped. Right. And like the thing, like I couldn't find a ton of information on like 
what she faced. Mm-hmm. But I can only imagine, like, having to live and make that choice of either you live in fear or you just accept that you are probably going to have a very violent and ugly death. Mm-hmm. And you're just going to keep telling your story and keep telling your truth. Right. And that is something, like, I needed to hear. Because my OCD has been really bad. And a lot of people think OCD is just like, oh, you have to touch the light switches. You have to do this. It's like, no, you actually like you fixate on certain things and you don't let it go. Like when I my anxiety gets bad, I am counting syllables as people talk and I can't Mm -hmm. stop until I stop on a certain finger. Sure. And if Mm -hmm. somebody calls me on it, I switch to my toes. (laughs) Like shit like that. So like my obsession is like looking in the comments of the local Facebook articles Mm -hmm. about, like, the protests we're having here and everything going on and seeing who is making those comments. Do I know them? Do I have any mutual friends with them? Right. What are the chances that I'm going to see them in the store? I am an easy target in this town. Like, Mm -hmm. how much noise can I make before somebody comes after me? Mm -hmm. Because, like, I am watching white friends getting targeted by people being like, well, I'm going to find your employer. And like, I am now like my mission is to ruin your life. And it's like, I don't want that. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I want to be able to speak up without people trying to silence me. Right. And that's literally all that's happening and watching people be like, well, what are they complaining about now? And it's like, are you fucking kidding me? What? Hey, what? I didn't know we were in the 60s. Yeah. Oh, Grandma. Uh, are they? They? Do you mean you they? people? Like, yeah. What did you want to say there yeah. that you, oh, that's, ugh. Yeah. So icky. Yeah. So it's like, I I wanted to give a more inspirational, less angry, I guess, mm-hmm. person to focus on who did trust her gut to not go back to Tennessee. Yeah, good call on that one. Um, uh, but it's not like she hid, you know? But she didn't stop. She could have stayed in Europe, you know? like if Absolutely. She, she could have just stayed over there. She could have arguably been safer, at least, like, if she's going to talk about America's racism, not being in America might be a safe way to do it. But then, yeah. like, obviously she had a choice, and she decided, like, she was going to go back and try to make that our country better. Yeah. Even though it's dangerous for her to try to do so. She uh, whoops a lot of ass. She does. And I, I, I always, I wonder if she would feel good about not people not knowing what she suffered. If she would rather people know that, or if she would rather people focus on what she accomplished despite that. It's, it's kind of interesting to think like maybe, maybe she's like, yeah, I would prefer that people focus on the works I did rather than the death threats I got. Yeah. But it would be nice to know, like what was she up against a little bit more detailed just right. Just because I'm sure it was fucking immense. Yeah. And so if I can find more, I'll Mm -hmm. post about it. Dope. I just want to talk about if you have, everybody should um, look up Ida B. Wells, just like, just like Google her because she has the greatest picture of all time. There's a great, oh yeah, I love her fucking picture. She looks like she doesn't give a fuck and it's amazing. No. Like she just, they were probably like, smile, you would look so pretty if you smiled more and she did that face. Like (laughs) hold up a middle finger off frame. Yes. Yeah. 
you know, some museums to check out. Check out the one Taylor talked about. Yeah, and that, that is website. that archive. Um, let me make sure. Yeah, chicagopolicetorturearchive.com. And check out America's Black Holocaust Museum that's based in Milwaukee. It's Hell yeah. depressing but interesting. As all Holocaust museums tend to be. Yep, but it was um, James Cameron founded that museum. Um, it has a great website. Wow. Thank you, Emily, for that. And thank you all for joining us. We're sorry that this episode, if you haven't listened in a couple eps, now Whoop. that this one's done, maybe go back and listen to the exact prior one because that one was like, yeah, totally, I talked about cruises. It was, yeah, it was absolutely a different vibe. Totally the opposite of this. Uh, sometimes we're like that. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, thank you all so much for uh, joining us. You should definitely be a lot like Daryl Cannon um, and all the other survivors of torture who kept fighting. And you should be just an ass load like Ida yeah. B. Wells. Yeah. As much as one can humanly be like Ida B. Wells, you should. Don't be afraid to be loud. Don't ever be afraid to be loud. And um, I guess just don't forget your can of, of bees. Bees, M? <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> listen, if I'm going to jail for anything at a protest, it's. It's going to be throwing a can of bees at cops. It's releasing bees under the Yes. Cops. This is a can of bees for my family. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>